people. How are you doing? So this is the first episode of the podcast and I thought what I would do today is an introduction of myself to show the people who maybe haven't been following me um, on my Instagram who I am, what I'm doing now, why I did what I did and what to expect from the podcast. So thank you very much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. So firstly, a really easy one. Who am I? So my name's Jenna. I'm 35 years old. Um, I have got a husband who is absolutely amazing. I have got three dogs. So I've got a Labradoodle and two wire-haired Vizzlers. And I'm a dual qualified nurse. And what I did in 2020 was I was seeing the censorship online and I was having the experience of people's behavioural changes because of what was happening online and what was happening in the media was becoming very obvious to me how people were absolutely, completely scared of one another. And although we were saying that we were all in this together and be kind, what was actually happening was very, very different from my perspective. So... I've never been political. I've never really paid too much attention to the media, um, but it really, really concerned me what was happening. So I wanted to know where the scandal was. I wanted to know where the investigative journalism was because there was a lot of PPE scandals. There was a lot of um, transference of money that maybe wasn't ethical and wasn't necessarily helping the people that needed it. But that didn't seem to be happening. So this was all really, really confusing for me. So what I did was I walked from Stoke-on-Trent to London. That was the first thing I did. And this was during the time where it was essential travel only. So we were told that we weren't able to go more than like, I think it was like an hour or something, a couple of miles away from our home. So when I decided to walk to London, I genuinely thought I was going to be arrested. And that sounds really, really stupid now saying that out loud in 2022 but I remember um so my husband dropped me off I had my big rucksack and I'm like stomping off to London no idea whether I was going to make it or not or how long it was going to take me or what was going to happen and there was a police car and I think there was three um police officers around this police car and I walked past them and I really thought that they were going to arrest me um and that it seems bizarre saying it now it's like you know I was being really paranoid but that was the reality of how scared people were and how much people were you know following the rules even if they didn't make sense so what did I expect to achieve when I walked to London so I went to hand deliver a letter to Boris Johnson and on day three or four, I think it was, he was actually in Stoke-on-Trent. So my feet were blistered and they were just absolutely red raw. And Boris was in Stoke-on-Trent. So I was absolutely gutted about that. But <laughs> what I did manage to um, achieve while I was walking on my way on my way to um, London was I created a community of people who were all thinking alike, who were all asking questions about what was going on but maybe their friends and family weren't allowing them to have these um, discussions. So I got to London um, and on the way I had the most amazing experience of meeting people on Instagram, of people meeting me. I remember um, 
I can't just remember where the stop was now, but a girl who was making cakes just started a business. She came and met up with me and bought me these like brownies and cakes and things. And people were just so kind and helpful and letting me stay at their house um, because, you know, you weren't allowed to stay in hotels and things at the time unless it was um, essential or you were a key worker. So having this level of support from strangers, when the media was telling us that those who questioned what was happening were like uneducated, selfish, like it could not be any further from the truth of what I experienced. So I walked to London and I remember, because um, I didn't know London very well, the f- when I re- like realised that I w- I'd made it was when I saw the lions at Trafalgar Square. And I did a video and, you know, I was like, she's only going to bloody made it, hasn't she? Like, against all odds. And um, so I got there, I, I was super, super nervous. And I don't even know why, I don't know why I was so nervous, but London was absolutely dead. There was very few people walking around, very few cars. It was very, very eerie. And I walked down um, whatever the street is before Downing Street and the police officers were outside and I had my little letter and um, I asked if they'd give it, (laughs) if they'd hand it in. Anyway, they didn't. Um, I don't think they believed me that I'd walked from Stoke-on-Trent to to give it to them. But I then had to post it. (laughs) So some would say that that was a failure, that I didn't achieve what I wanted to achieve. But what I, as I say, what I had managed to do was create a community of people who were like, wow, yeah, somebody else is thinking what I'm thinking and saying it out loud. And that was absolutely fantastic. So I can't actually remember how I got back from London. I don't know whether my husband picked me up. I can't remember. I need to ask him um, and kind of fill in that blank. Like so much has happened and I've met so many people that one of the things that is on my to-do list is to print off all the photographs that I took so that I can go back and reflect and um, remember who, who all these people were that I met and helped me. So yeah, I, I have no idea how I got back from London. So once I did return to work, I remember feeling like I had spread my wings. I'd been out, I'd been to the big city, I'd been to London, the big smoke. And coming back to work, it felt like I was in a cage again. And I didn't like it. I really, really struggled to kind of like settle back into the swing of things. And I spoke to my husband and said, like, I need to do something else. So anytime I text or I say to my husband, I've got an idea, he knows like it's going to be something absolutely bananas. So because of the censorship, what I wanted to do was have a way that social media wasn't going to censor what I was saying. So I went to a protest, which was my first protest, and it was in March 2021, I'm going to say. Yeah, 2021. And it was so scary because, you know, there was all these images of the police attacking and um, violence breaking out. And when we got there, I remember that... (laughs) you weren't supposed to like travel with other people be meeting up and there was 10 of us that were in this room and we'd ordered a takeaway and it was like top secret and we had to keep our voices down and not let anyone know that we were like together and knock on the door and all come separately so we were texting each other to say yeah Trace in the room you can come now Adam and um, (laughs) again it sounds ridiculous so we were all in London and we went to the um, the protest and I wore my nurse's uniform. And again, that's because that's 
as soon as someone sees you, they can have a look at that uniform and it sends out a message straight away. So then they might have different questions to ask me. You know, why are you doing this when the media says this? So we went to this protest and there were police everywhere, absolutely everywhere. There was, um, is it the TSG? I think it's the TSG, that might be a lie. And, you know, they were like head to toe in uniform with like the shields and the batons and like the vise, like the head things and Gosh, it was it was so intimidating and never really having any brushes with the law and having like the utmost respect for authority. This was really, really intimidating. And I could I could understand why people didn't want to attend these events. So we went to Hyde Park. Again, we didn't really know London that well, didn't know what was happening. And there was no one about. Like It felt like there was maybe a handful of people in the whole of Hyde Park and all of these police, like horses, rows of vans all down the road, helicopters. It was so dramatic. And then I'm just kind of like in my uniform, walking around, worried about what's going to happen to me. And all of a sudden, bang, all of these people came from absolutely nowhere. There were hundreds and thousands of people like-minded. I have no idea to this day where they were hiding. And it was the most exhilarating experience ever. Like I, I remember finishing that protest and just being absolutely buzzing because there were all of these people and they were all different people. You know, there were lawyers, there were um, teachers, there were other nurses, there were people that were self-employed, there were uh, parents, you know, there were grandparents, all this, all these different walks of life. And the media wasn't covering it except to say all the negativity that was happening. So I was just so pumped after this. And what I did then was because I held up a sign that said, let's not pretend coercion is the same as caring. And my arms hurt so much once I finished that. I don't even know how many hours we were walking for. And the sandwich board came about, one, because of the censorship and also pure laziness, to be honest, because I didn't want to hold another sign up for a couple of hours because my arms hurt so much. So I said to my husband, like, I've got an idea. This is what I want to do. And I'd walked 150 miles to London. So the next plan was I was going to walk a thousand miles around London over 50 days. And I went to another protest um, with my sandwich board. And it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. There were so many of the nurses, there were so many people who were saying thank you. Um, to me and the other nurses. There were also a lot of people who were really, really angry. So were so angry that other nurses weren't speaking out that they would just vent at me. Um, so it was really quite challenging to balance all of these emotions that was happening and also everybody else's emotions as well that they were then bringing to me. And again, probably because I had the nurse's uniform on, people were telling me, all sorts of upsetting stories, difficult stories. And that was quite a lot to take on board because what was I going to do with this information? How was I able to help these people? So 
After this protest, my husband left me in London and I got a little hostel and it was just near Westminster. It was like the cheapest place I could find for a length of time for the 50 days. And um, I remember I used a kettle and another girl who was there asked me if I'd used this particular kettle and I was like, yep. And she's like, that's my kettle. And the hostel's kettle was like the one behind it. So I'd actually used the wrong kettle. Um, I'd also used her teaspoon and um, that was a big no-no. So then what I did was I, I bought like a little tea set and I bought like a little fridge. Um, and I was all prepared in like my little like dorm room. Um, and yeah, I was like full on camping. I would put my sandwich board in a bag so that, well, it was like a, a duvet cover, a blue duvet cover. And I would set off in the morning and I would start near the suffragette statue, Millie, and I'd sit near Millie and I'd take it out of the, the bag. And um, I remember like the the security or wardens or whatever they are, I'm not sure um, what their official title is, would come and they'd tell me off because I wasn't allowed to protest on this little square. And um, I'd walk around. So from about half 10 till about half three, um, sometimes it went on longer depending on like how far I'd walked or who I got talking to and things. But that was kind of like the time that I was saying like, this is what I'm going to do. And if it went like more than that, then that was a bonus. So walking around and meeting all these amazing people, all these fantastic people who were really starting to grow with their levels of assertiveness and setting boundaries and improving their communication, which I am totally biased towards because that is absolutely my bag. I love all of that stuff. So I'm walking around and I'm replying to as many messages as I possibly can on Instagram. And it just felt, after three weeks, it just felt like I needed to leave London. It didn't feel like I should stay there for the whole 50 days. So I messaged my husband again and I said, I've got an idea. And he's like, oh no, what now? So I said, right, I'm not going to stay in London anymore. I'm going to do something different instead. I'm going to walk every city in England, Scotland and Wales. And at the time, I can't remember what the restrictions were about going to Ireland, but that was the reason why I didn't go. Um, so at least I could travel around all these places. And I'd actually got it wrong. I'd made a mistake and I'd said that I was going to do 69 cities. However, I had counted the cities in Northern Ireland, possibly Republic of Ireland as well, I'm not sure. So there were a lot of people like commenting on my Instagram, like, oh, 69 is a funny number and about it being like mirrored, symmetrical, you know, some weird um, symbolism. And it was actually because I just made a mistake. So what I did was I, because I went to two towns, uh, Blackpool's not a city and Southport's not a city, I decided that I was going to do 69, as I said, but I was going to add a few um, towns in as well. So what was really important at this time was people's lack of connection um, because they weren't sure how to bring up these conversations and they weren't sure kind of where people were. And what I was finding was it was almost like people were wearing the mask and even if they thought, oh, you know, I don't really agree with all this stuff, just out of politeness, they would put their mask on and the other person would put their mask on, but they'd both be thinking like, oh, this is a little bit odd, isn't it? Like, I don't really agree with what's going on. But because of like kind of social etiquette, they would just be there in the masks. So 
what I wanted to achieve was to help people as local as possible, so within the city, within a commutable, dis- commutable distance, to make connections with other people. And I remember um, Durham was a really, really good city where I felt that I was, I made quite a lot of connections with, um, there was a lot of mums there. And I remember one lady in particular who she kind of like stopped us. She was coming the opposite way and she stopped us and was like, what is this about? Like, what? Tell me. So I told her what I was doing and she was like, oh my gosh, I I don't know anyone who thinks like this. I like I think like that, but I've never actually had the conversation with anyone. And then she has got all these connections now. So all these people kind of met up with me, walking around the street with me. And then now this lady who felt very alone has now got all these contacts. So that for me was what I got out of walking. So I did the 69 towns and cities and I had different types of experiences depending on well, the people that I was meeting, because my message stayed the same. So I very much stuck to my nurse's code of conduct, informed voluntary consent. And it wasn't for me to tell people to have a medical intervention or to not have a medical medical intervention. But it also wasn't for nurses to coerce people into, take, into having medical um, interventions. Like We should never say, use forced to have da 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 like that just, it blew my mind um, that that was happening. And one of the things, sorry, I forgot that I did while I was in London as well for the three weeks was I hand delivered a letter to the Nursing Midwifery Council and I wrote all of the breaches of the code of conduct um, that I was aware of. And I arranged a, a kind of nurses meet, I guess. Um, I did get a phone call that morning to say that I was going to risk a £10,000 fine um, for arranging, organising um, a meetup. Um, but I, it wasn't that I didn't care. It was just, it was a priority to do this. It was more important for me to do what I felt was right than consider the £10,000. Like if I'm thinking about my conscience being clear, at that time it felt like my conscience being clear was worth £10,000. So I did it. I didn't get fined. There were some amazing nurses and carers who at that time, you know, they came in their uniforms and that was when, you know, it was still really difficult to have these conversations and then they came and they walked with me to the NMC. So yeah, that was another thing that I did as well. Um... So I did the 69 towns and cities. Um, I was in London for three weeks. I walked to London, attended the protests, and it felt like a huge risk. It felt like I had very little to gain from doing this, apart from my conscience being clear, um, because anyone who questioned kind of the status quo was seen as a conspiracy theorist. Um, Whereas, like, just asking questions... To me, it seemed strange that we weren't able to do that because, again, as nurses, that's what we're trained to do. Ask questions, follow the money, like who's funding the research? How long's the research been going on for? Like, what is the evidence? And it just didn't seem to be happening. So this was all like really, really strange for me that it wasn't happening. So that's a bit about who I am. And over like the the podcast time, um, you know, I'm sure like little clips of what I've been up to um, will kind of come out. And as well, once I've done my um, my photo album, some of the memories will come back. 
So I guess some of the standout moments was I did a time lapse with Oracle Films and I think it took about an hour and a half for every person to walk past me. And that's a lot of people. <laughs> I don't know what the head count of that was, but that was a lot of people. So that was definitely one of the standout moments, um, just standing still and just seeing all of these people and experiencing all of that. The big groups of people who were meeting up and then forming connections and especially um, the people who kind of, you know, six months, a year later would message me and, you know, say thank you, thank you. Because you did this, I now have these friends and I really appreciate that. So that's what I got out of this, you know, wanting to be helpful and friendly. And I, I felt like I had purpose um, helping people connect with others. Um. Lessons about my husband as well. So that was a big standout moment. So I really learned how we are in this marriage together as separate individuals that are walking a lot, like walking together um, and how much trust that we have and how like our communication has improved and our relationship has improved because of all these difficult events. So that's a huge standout moment for me um, and the police as well. So you know, being a nurse, being part of the services, there's a certain community that, you know, I've gone into this job to help. And with the police, they're a different, you know, part of the services and they have got their separate community that they want to help. That was my idea anyway, that people go into the police because they want to help people. However, what I was seeing was police officers attacking peaceful protesters and I remember one time in particular at Hyde Park where there was the band Jam for Freedom playing and people had their backs. So the, the police were forming outside, uh, like a formation outside um, of these people. So you've got the band, you've got people watching the band and then the police were um, behind them. And they just charged. It, like, it was weird watching these police line up I didn't anticipate that happening. So this was a huge shock for me. Like, what have I just seen? And I remember doing a video um, and that kind of, I guess, went viral because like my following increased, um, the amount of attacks I was getting increased. I remember one person said, because uh, I was in my, my um, uniform, well, if I get a dolphin costume from a fancy dress shop. It doesn't make me a dolphin, does it? <laughs> um, and people really, really didn't want me to be a nurse. And I remember um, when I like typed into Google Jenna Platt and like the top search was Jenna Platt, not a nurse. Um, and people really, really didn't want me to be a nurse and would say that I'm not a real nurse. Um, and I guess challenging that, well, what is a real nurse? Like just because you're not NHS, I did my training there and I didn't work in the NHS. So, you know, people would make all these excuses and, like, honestly, it was like like seeing a pretzel, like how they were flipping the conversation, just like, please don't be a nurse, please don't be, like, speaking logic and reason um, when I don't want to hear it. So, yeah, the police, the stand-up moment, and it really, really shocked me. It really upset me. It really confused me. Because I I just couldn't believe it. Like you hear these things and sometimes like you see other people's videos, but to actually be there and see it, it's 
it was completely shocking. Um, and I remember I did the video and I can't remember what the Instagram, um, I call it the gram fam, what the number was at the time, but like, I don't, I can't remember it being huge. So I was just in my head talking to the people that I'd kind of built up this relationship with. I wasn't expecting other people to share it. And I remember like, I'd, cause I got sunburn and I was like looking at my, my sunburn, my eyes and things. And um, people were saying, oh, her eyes are shifty. Look at her eyes. She's looking around. She's darting around. And someone said that I was a, a right-wing provocateur and that they'd seen me before at other events. Now, at that time, I had no idea what a right-wing provocateur was. Um, but somebody had an idea that I was one. So I have learned a great deal um, about myself. I've learned a great deal about other people Um and I guess there was a possibly a lot of naivety with the police um, before this. So they, I guess, right now were my standout moments. Um, and how the contradiction was in the newspaper, how we were told that we were the selfish ones, that we were the ones who, you know, were with these really bad people. And that's in fact why I started saying like, hello, you lovely people at the start of my videos, because I wanted people to say like, you're not, just because you have these thoughts, just because you have these questions, it doesn't mean that you're all the things that the media say you are. Um, so yeah, the people who helped me and supported me. And I remember I could put something on my Instagram asking for help and strangers would be there helping me. And it was so overwhelming to me that all this kindness, when the news was telling me that all these people were bad. So there was a lot of contradictions. Um, and I think sometimes, unless you have that lived experience, you know, just to read the headlines and just believe everything, you know, we used to be told like, oh, don't believe everything you read in the newspaper. But then during 2020, 2021, everyone did. It was yeah, it was madness. So yes, um, lessons learned, time lapse, the groups of people, um, the police, um, about my relationship with my husband and just the generosity and kindness from people. So what have I been doing now? So I finished the walk. So the 69 towns and cities, um, September the 5th. So a year today, well, not a year today because I'm filming before 5th of September, but this should be released on the 5th of September. Um, so I finished the walk and honestly, I thought that I would have a week off <laughs> and that I'd be doing something else. I didn't know what that thing was going to be, but I knew I wasn't going to stop. And if you told me that it would take a year before I did something, I'd say, no, absolutely, no way, you're lying, this is too important. But actually, I didn't realise how traumatic the events were of doing the walk I didn't realise how much of an impact it was having on me hearing all these um, voice notes and seeing these messages and these comments and like in the newspaper and people shouting at me in the street and, you know, really having to be on guard all the time and not really knowing what I was letting myself into every time I went into a new city and who I was going to meet. And I remember sometimes... Um, Definitely in Winchester. So if you met me in Winchester, you'll know where <laughs> I really did not want to get out the car. I just wanted to stay in the car. I just wanted to go home. I just wanted to hide. I didn't want to do it anymore. But it 
it wasn't about my feelings. It was about what I felt I needed to do um, to help other people. So I remember I met in the cathedral and I went like into the garden in the shade and I was just crying so much. I was so upset just because it was just too much. And the people were amazing. Like We had ice cream. Everything was better after ice cream. But there were so many of these events where because like I was in it and it was kind of like dom- like all just rode up like dominoes where when I finished the walk, they all just fell and I just completely fell apart. I was completely exhausted. And one thing that I was really not struggling with, but questioning was identity. So when I was reading the comments, um, when people were meeting me um, in the street and were kind of like supporting and helping me and, and, and things and sharing my things, people were saying the nicest things. And I was very conscious that I didn't want that to become me. I didn't want to be in a position where I needed people to say all these nice things in in order for me to do what I felt was right. And I needed to separate what I was doing from who I who I am. So I really had this kind of like couple of months I guess just toying with the idea of what is identity um how do we get it? How do we define ourselves? How do we interact with society? And what do all these labels mean? And are labels always negative? So that took me a little while to kind of work out and separate myself and make sure that I guess I didn't believe my own hype. And, you know, all these people who were saying I was amazing, I was like, yeah, I'm amazing. Um, And like, why aren't people wanting to take pictures of me anymore? So I didn't want like it to all go to my head and for me to not be grounded. So I was thinking about like, what defines me? Who am I? And one of the things that I learned as well was about value-based friendships. So the friendship group that I've made since 2020 um, on Instagram, what what I guess we've realised is we don't necessarily same, share the same opinions, but we share the same values. So that's something that um, I I learned from that as well and how important that is. So we, you know... We can have differences in opinions, but because we want, you know, certain things or because we are trustworthy, um, because we are loyal, um, because we are helpful and generous with each other and the time that we give to each other, um, you know, it has created a really nice friendship group where we can have intimacy within that friendship group. And when I say intimacy, I don't mean being sexual. I mean being honest and authentic with each other and not worrying about being rejected by the other person. Um, I'm just going to write a note about that because I want to talk about that in a second. Sorry. Um, So yeah, so identity I really um, toiled with and about where was I going, what direction was I going to do and how, now that the walk was finished, what what did helping people look like? I also had not really spent quality time with my husband for eight months. So, you know, we went away with the dogs and um, we went on holiday, went to Iceland and that was amazing because Iceland for me was one of the places where I was really worried that if I wasn't able to fly again, I, you know, I would have been really sad if me and Rob didn't get to go. So Iceland was amazing and we were both so present on that break. And what I was noticing was people were just living 
their holiday through the phone. And that made me really sad. And I think I was just more aware of the amount of time that people were spending on their phones. Um, So we took a few memory photos, like they weren't perfect. I did a few little videos for Instagram. Um, But the rest of the trip, we just spent enjoying each other's company. And it was absolutely amazing. If you haven't been to Iceland, honestly, please go. It's fantastic. So these were all things I kind of caught up on. Also, I'd had eight months off work. So now I needed to catch up on eight months off work. So there was a lot of things I needed to do um, once I'd finished the walk, which kind of I wasn't quite prepared for. So I finished the walk, kind of went through that that conversation in my head about identity and what does it mean. And I was very clear that I wanted to separate what I was doing from who I was. And that doesn't mean that when I was doing the walk in my uniform that I wasn't authentic, but that was only part of me. That was only Nurse Jenna um, that I was showing on Instagram. So I guess with the podcast, you might see a different side to me. Maybe you might hear me say things that you weren't expecting. Um, But that's not to say that I wasn't authentic and I wasn't genuine. It's just that I stuck to my code of conduct. And if you think about yourself, you probably wear 10 different hats depending on who you interact with. Whether you go to the doctors, if you go to the petrol station with a cashier, if you speak to your partner or your children, if you're at a job interview, you will have different hats that you will wear for all those different events so for me the walk was my nursing hat that's what I did so I was very conscious about how much I swore I was very conscious about using words which have kind of evolved in meaning um but like crazy you know especially being a mental health nurse whereas sometimes that's just that's just part of the language that people use and it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm being derogatory to somebody um But I was very, very conscious that if I put a foot out of line, step out of line, that was it. Like I was going to get attacked. So what will happen now is as like I do the podcast, my personality, I guess, will kind of evolve, not evolve. um, But you will see different parts of me that maybe wasn't shown when I was doing the walk. Um, And as I say, I wanted to separate the identity with what I was doing and who I am. And what I do see a lot is with people become so tangled up in their identity. And there was a lady who I met who she described the job that she had as having the golden handcuffs. So she got a good car, she got a good pension, she got all these things, but she wasn't happy. But she'd got the golden handcuffs because she kind of felt trapped. And what I think with identity is people have like golden blinkers. With the um, the values that people have, people will have the golden blinkers where some of their identity will be completely tangled up in it and for others their income will as well. And if you've got those golden blinkers on, you struggle to see and use your peripheral vision and see what else is going on in the world. And I definitely didn't want to fall foul of that. I didn't want that to happen to me. And I wanted as best as I could to kind of sit in the middle and observe, you know, the two extremes, if you will, um, try to be a centralist where possible. Naturally, I'm going to have bias, but as best as I could, you know, remain impartial. Um, the only problem with that is you get attacked from both sides. <laughs> so you get to all the people that are shouting at you. Um, so that was 
yeah, what I learned and I guess a little bit about the podcast where you might see a different side of me now. That kind of brings me on. So I'm doing like the who, what, where, how and why um, just with this podcast introduction. So what am I doing now? So I had got a van, I'd got a transit van because my next big idea was I was going to be doing another tour against the uh, word we can't say that sounds like Maxine um, and the passports. And again, with the amount of censorship, I wanted to make a big impact where people would see it and think, ah, I wonder what that's talking about. So I got the little sign for my car. Um, Sorry, I say I got that. I didn't. Somebody gifted me that, the little sign for my car. And I had got the the van so that I could get it wrapped in against Maxine passports. And it would it would be obvious to the public who I wasn't able to have those one-to-one conversations with um, while I was walking in the street or whatever, but people driving past would be able to see it as well. So that was what I was going to do next. That was going to be my next big idea. However, what happened was they dropped them, (laughs) just kind of like overnight dropped them. And now I'm stuck with a transit van. So what am I going to do with this transit van? Well, I'm going to turn it into a podcast studio. So I managed to convince my husband to spend our savings on the podcast um, setup and let him know that I was going to do a really, really good job and that I could do it and that I'd work really hard at it and it would be fantastic and it would be amazing. And now it's here. I'm so nervous because I've actually got to put my money where my mouth is and I've really got to like stick at it. So that's where we are now. So I am really nervous because I've like been like talking myself up to Rob. And it's like, yeah, I can do this and I'll do that. And, you know, I can do this and speak to this person and I can speak to people who I have different um, view perspectives with and we'll be able to have a conversation. I'll be really grown up and it'll be fantastic. And I can help people with their communication and things. Um, and now it's here and it's like, oh, I've got nothing to hide behind now because everything's sorted. Everything's ready. So What I'm going to do with the podcast is I want to speak to people who are interesting, who have a inspiring or empowering story that they can share to help the audience maybe get motivated, take inspiration from, take action, um, learn something new. So I guess it's a little bit of education through entertainment um, is what I'm hoping to achieve. And also, I would like to speak to people who I have um, differences of opinions with, or maybe who have views that I haven't actually formed an opinion of perspective yet, because I don't know enough about the subject. Um, And I would really, really like to show that you can have these differences of opinions have a debate, have a conversation and that you don't have to counsel each other or you don't have to laugh at each other or mock each other um, or have a tantrum that you can just listen to each other. Even if it does get a little bit heated sometimes, you can just, you know, you're there and you want your side um, listened to and that they'll listen to your side. So that's what I'm hoping to achieve. Um, I've convinced my husband to let me do it. So... Will it be perfect? No, it won't. I'm a nurse. (laughs) I am not a podcast host. I have absolutely no idea what any of this equipment does. Um, Also, I'm... Oops, see, I'm bopping it again. I'm in the van and you can probably see I'm a little bit 
a little bit hot. Um, so there'll be lots of teething problems where I need to think about the temperature. I need to think about the weather. I need to think where I'm going to park. I'm probably going to get stuck somewhere. There's likely I'm going to park somewhere and not be able to do enough free point turns that I can get out. Um, I'm probably going to collect parking tickets. So no, it isn't going to be perfect. I'm going to forget batteries and lights and probably not press record sometimes. But what, and I'm going to have spots as well. I'm going to have spots. I'm going to have roots. I'm not going to do my hair. Um, Sometimes my t-shirt might be creased. Like all these things are going to happen. I'm going to spill stuff. But I really, really don't want it to be like a perfect polished um, kind of podcast because I just don't think that's real life. And there's so much fake and falseness, falseness um, on social media that lacks authenticity that I just don't want to be part of that. I don't. And if I started where, you know, I wanted to make out that everything was perfect and that I knew what I was doing and, you know, I was asking the best questions and I wasn't getting anything wrong and I wasn't getting statistics wrong, like... I wouldn't be able to achieve that long term because it just isn't me. Like, I am going to make mistakes and I am going to forget words, equipment, and I'm likely to change my mind at some point as well because what I, the way I used to think in my 20s is different to how I think now, will be different to how I think when I'm 60. So, yeah, I am quite open to discussion and I am quite open to learning new things and, and being challenged. But it's not going to be perfect. <laughs> it absolutely isn't. But I'm so looking forward to meeting a variety of people who have got all different backgrounds, all different experiences, and that I can learn from. And that was, as a nurse, one of the things that I really, really miss because I'm I'm registered, I'm qualified, but I'm not practicing um, at the moment. And I miss... I miss hearing about people's stories. I miss hearing about how they met their partners. I miss hearing about like stories in the war as well and how they'd have um, the brides would make like wedding dresses out of parachutes and the the street would collect all the tins of spam. Like so when they had the wedding, they'd all like dish it out and things like that. Like I really love um, hearing from other people. So yeah, that's what the podcast is about. That's what I'm wanting to achieve. Um, another thing as well that I've considered and spoke to, so I'm working with Liverpool Podcast Studio and, you know, about the rain and the noise on the van and things, having the door open because um, I'd like to do a tour next year where I talk um, to the public um, so they kind of come in and tell me their perspective and their opinions on topical um topics topical topics that'll do um which are important to them so there's lots of things that I need to learn because I feel like I've got all the gear and no idea right now but I don't want to pretend like I'm doing anything other than learning and I think sometimes one of the things that can happen is people really want to try something new but they're so scared of failing or so scared of getting things wrong that they don't even try And that makes me really sad, really, really sad. Um, And I guess the thing with me is that I don't have a fear of rejection or embarrassment. And I think that's what helped me when I had my sandwich board. So now I'm doing this podcast and I'm like, if I get zero views, like that's fine because I'm learning all the time. So um, yeah, 
come on on the journey with me (laughs) because it'll be fun. I'm sure it will be. I know I'm going to have a lot of fun. Um, I'm just going to have a quick look through my notes just to make sure. So if you have watched any of my videos, you do know that I do always have a notepad at the ready. So two seconds. Let me just have a quick nosy. Uh, So I've got the, the who, what, where, when. So where. So it is a mobile podcast studio. So I can go anywhere that I can find a parking space. Um, So that's exciting. So that will help me um, when I arrange guests where it's more convenient for them. So hopefully um, they'll have more availability so I can go anywhere. Um, And then also next year I want to do a tour where I'm going to certain, I don't know, maybe we'll go to the beach and we'll have an ice cream. We'll get some deck chairs outside. Um, So that's the where. When. So I want to do a weekly podcast. However, this is brand new. I didn't invite any guests on the podcast until the van was complete. And some of you be like, oh, Jen, you should have invited people um, along the way. But actually, for me, I wanted to make sure that everything that wasn't in my control was completed. So the interior was done, the artwork was done and all that stuff before I started asking people to block um, time out in their diary. So I do want a weekly podcast. However, it might not happen weekly until I gain momentum. And I will talk about that and I will talk about the mistakes that I made and the things that I will do differently. But what I would like is a weekly podcast um, with a guest, a different guest each week. And then also, um, so I am really interested in transactional analysis and I will talk about that more um, throughout So I also want to do some training videos on that as well to help people because that transactional analysis has really helped me with relationships and communication. And that's why I kind of made a note there about intimacy and transactional analysis. So I will discuss that in further detail in one of the other videos where it's more of a training video um, and helping to um, make people aware of this framework. So if you do get a chance, just have a nosy um, before then because honestly, it has really helped me it's really helped me at work. It really helped me when I was walking and listening to people who um, were quite angry. So if you have got any interest at all in improving communication and relationships, I would really, really say, uh, recommend going and have a nosy at that. So why am I doing this? So I am doing this because I feel like, I feel like these conversations need to be had where... I want to get people's stories out. I want to like inspire people and empower people through other people's experience. And also with the amount of censorship as well, like that's really concerning. So I think people, there's some things that people maybe haven't even considered yet. Um, And I guess one of the things that I would like to think I have is that foresight of, you know, every time this happens, it's just another brick in the road of we're getting down the line of somewhere that's maybe not what we expected or what we signed up for so that's why um I think I could do a good job (laughs) I hope I can and I just want to have fun and I want to learn to be honest I just miss meeting different people so that's the why when how who what and all that stuff um so now I'm absolutely melting so I might need to have a look um again some aircon or some coolant or maybe you know like the, what the dogs have where they have those mats that like are cold maybe I could put one of those those on my chair or something um but I hope I've not been too sweaty and minging for this first episode I really appreciate it if you have reached this stage of the first one thank you so much honestly I know it might sound like it's coming across really insincere or it's what you have to say. No, it's not what I have to say. I'm saying it because I mean it. So thank you very much. 
And if you are following me um, on my socials and you shared my stuff or you commented or you gave me your support, honestly, thank you so, so much. It meant so much to me at a time where it felt really, really lonely. So that is the introduction. I hope I've answered all your questions. If not, let me know. And um, I will see you all later. (laughs) 